And we are looking forward to taking your questions and your comments. We're hoping and to get the calls. Professor, what was a question or a concept that you have gotten lately? What? Again? Sorry. Yeah, a concept. Let's say that what's coming up, we're, we're, that, that issues are going on, that you, you're always getting different calls, different messages. I would say that uh, basically uh, the main main uh, this how to deal with uh, unhealthy uh, spouse. Mm. This is very <laughs> big time. <laughs> and yeah. the other the other it's basically the shiduchim that I would say the, the two in the last uh, I would say two months I got it very very strong. Many. Yeah. So, did I share with you the story that I had with the Ated? No. So, let me, sh- let me share with you a story. Two weeks ago, or maybe it's three weeks ago, in the Ated, we had an article discussing um, someone sent a question saying that their parent member has a personality disorder, and they have a sister that has, then say a sister, I'm assuming it's a sister, that created some boundaries. And the parent got so upset that they now asked the entire family to speak to this sister. And they're asking us, what do, what do we all say? So everyone had a different opinion. And, you know, it's normal. Everyone said that what we have to do is that you have to always have a rav when it's what's going on. But you also have to know the halachas of what, you know, when you are allowed to, when you're not allowed to listen, especially things like this. Now, so this was the question, and I sort of said the boundaries, you know, notice that as this person said, the sister didn't disconnect from the parents, the sister just said boundaries. Like there are times the husband's home where you say, Mommy, I can't speak. These are normal stuff to say I can't do things. But unfortunately, when you deal with personality disorders, if it's a parent, they have that issue. If it's a child, they will also have that issue. Meaning, unfortunately, so many families are suffering from situations where a child is the personality disorder and the parent is trying to give in to keep shalom or the things should work out. Anyhow, I get a message right after saying, I spoke to all my siblings, no one sent a question, but how dare you talk about my family situation. <laughs> and my parent is busy like asking everyone if, you, if, if we sent in the question. So they're accusing me, a family that I don't know, that I am as if I spoke about their problem. I, I just found it so interesting. Like, Neville, the pain that people are under, you just write about it. And there's so much, so much pain. Hello? Hello. Reminiscent? Yeah, one second, I'm just uh, talking with... Them. Oh, sure. Just, I'm sorry, just... Okay. Okay, so I'm just, I'm just you know, was, uh, you know, some uh, confusing with the phone numbers here. I just tried to straight it up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't all in uh, the issue about... I understand that the question about a, a, a family that basically... Uh, the parents are not so well, and the the, do- the daughter, the sister, right? Or the yeah. aunt. This is the aunt or the sister of the daughter of these parents. Looks 
like a sister said, like, what do we do? And my mother told us we should disconnect or we shouldn't speak to this child. Like, should, like to the sister, let's say a, sis, a sibling, should we, should we, do they need any, like, should we do it, shouldn't we do it? I'm not going into the whole point. But the main point that came up was that they attacked me. The person sends this message with such an attack, sort of saying, like, what's going on? Like, how are you talking about my family if no one sent the message? Well, if no one sent the message, I'm not talking about your family. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this This is the problem, you know, that people, first of all, I, I, we, we know it so many times, people just imagine that we're talking about themselves, you know, about them, you know? Yeah. And this has happened to us quite a few, and I, I, <laughs> I got a lot of uh, fire about it, you know, that people said, it's not about you. It's not about you. Sometimes it's it's you know it's similar situations. Sometimes people imagination, but sometimes it's it's really about them. But who knows? Unfortunately, That's right. and also certain illnesses have similar problems, means similar symptoms. So it might seem like you're a family. If there's a personality disorder, most families will have very similar problems. I just want to tell you something that happened to me very, very, uh, in, I would say in the beginning of the radio, and I, just, I, I, would t- I used to talk about, you know, it's new, about kind of, you know, many things that are uh, involved. Yeah. And uh, uh, one day, some, some, some rabbis approached me and said, listen, you must stop, up, stop talking about it. I said, what happened? And I said, we have some uh, some person in the community that basically uh, claiming that uh, you're talking about uh, about the, the person. I said, I didn't have any clue about it. Nothing. Yeah. And I, I went on the air and I, I apologized to people that thinking about, I don't, I really didn't have anything to do with, with the, the, the person. Of, and I, I, I don't know who is it, you know. But this, exactly. this is something. Exactly. Same thing with the person that sent that message. I have no idea who they are. Someone sent a question. We're five panelists. Everyone responded. And I seem to be the one, the, the, the one that got the schuss. That, uh, you know, as if, uh, as if I'm, you know, as if I'm the one that did it. Someone sending me a message is probably the awareness that's hitting them. Yeah. I even responded to that person. I said, please don't respond to my message. But number one, as you said, your family members, no one sent the message. So A, it's not you. B, there are five other columnists. Did you send, or four other columnists, did you send all of them the same message that you sent? Yeah. Number two, I said, that oh, it, was just, it was just going along these lines. I told them also I'm going to be forwarding it. So they also told me, like, if you met my family, I'm not Michael you. If you did mean, you know, if you didn't mean my family, then I'm likely you only even left me their name and number and saying, if you want, you can call me, you know, and discuss it. I go, I don't plan on discussing it. I didn't mean you. I don't know you. This is my classical response whenever we discuss it. But you know what? I want to discuss or talk a little bit about personality disorders is more the other way. There's a huge silent issue going on where at least, unfortunately, if there's a parent that has personality disorders, at least the spouses, are, the husband, the wives are getting involved, so the children are able to put a little stop to things. The sad part that's still underlying that no one discusses is what happens when it's a child that has a personality disorder? That child 
is mentioning also the parents, as they say in Yiddish. They're, they're, they're ruining almost the parents' peacefulness. There's always another problem with another sibling. The parent just wants the kid to be happy. Just let's not fight. Just make everything, just give in to this brother or sister that has a problem. So I'll give them all the money, and I won't give it to my other kids. Like, kids, just be happy. And that's what a parent really wants. A parent wants kids to be happy. But unfortunately, that's not always how it goes. Like, you can't, when there's an illness, it has to be addressed. You can't just bury it. And this is something that no one talks about. When you've got, let's say, adult children in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and you have parents in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and they've got children that have personality disorders, it can, like, rip apart a family. I, I think that uh, yeah, this is a very, uh, very big issue also, the, the kids that manipulate the family and uh, the, the SD disorder, you know. And mm-hmm. it's it's can as you said it can create a lot of uh, problem in the family, and it be a big shock to the to the parents. I I I, I spoke with a uh, Rosh Yeshiva, and uh, many times the, the Rosh Yeshiva I I would say that the the Mechanchim don't understand the situation or the the dynamic of the families, and they just going out from the point of view of, of this Bahur or the Bahura, you know, this man and a woman, and taking the side of this without having any, any investigation, and can get, create disaster in the house, you know, if the house mm-hmm. is not solid. Something that's very, you know, uh, we see it, we see it, uh, unfortunately, we see it also. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to, to read the, the te- uh, text? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the text as you're doing it. And this is something I don't have much experience with, but we'll still read it, and it's interesting. It's amazing, the listeners and the people that send messages. Dear Mordechai Weimager, thank you so much for your line and all that you do for the cloud. May you, have, may you continue to have much Hatzlacha. My question is like this. I am a happy and healthy 18-year-old with a very strong, and strong is, rolled in caps, is rolled, written in caps lock, strong mind. Recently, I had a dream that I woke up to find my house on fire. At at this, I really woke up. I was sleepwalking, and I ran to the door and opened it ready to run out. Once by the door, I began screaming and shouting my brother's name to wake him. Then he got up, brought me back to bed. Now, however, I often twist and turn for hours before I can fall asleep because I now have a fear of fire. It's not a regular fear, as I feel like I actually experienced it firsthand. Or I guess it's not a regular fear. It's as if I experienced it firsthand. What can I tell myself so my mind should stop bringing back, should stop bringing me back to my dream where I see my house on fire? So since you're asking a detailed question of what you should do, I could give you a little bit of awareness but what you should do is not something that's within the scope of this program. So what we can be aware is that this thing um, is very normal. And this is when people sometimes, I don't say normal that people will actually sleepwalk, but it's normal that a person can have a dream, or it's common that people can have a dream and feel it as if it's so true. And now they are very stuck with that, that they're afraid of that. Step two, what do you do when you're aware this is what we sort of call anxiety? And what we call anxiety is that the concept 
you have a feeling, even though your mind knows it's not true, you're still stuck, and you're still in those feelings. That is exactly what anxiety is. Now, I'm not saying you have anxiety because I'm not diagnosing you, and you're sending messages, and you could be sending a message about someone else. But, and I also wonder, what does the first part of your message saying that you have a strong mind mean? I'm not sure. Are you trying to say that you need things to go your way? and you don't like it when things don't go your way, and now all of a sudden you're afraid of something, and you don't have a skill or a tool how to manage something, is that difficult for you? That could be what you're saying. And then, therefore, that's exactly what you're going to be learning in, in therapy or when you get some skills. You learn the ability how to deal with things out of your control. It's up like this, there is, it, you know, the, the person that doesn't want to admit, you know, that uh, something behind his control. And this is, signed, you know, is like uh, he suddenly, he lo- he lo- somehow he lost control about... That's set. right. And many times, that's how people have anxiety. Because it's about control that they're trying to control. And about anxiety is learning to let go of control. So, okay, uh, let's go to take a, a phone call. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Mrs. A, okay? Mrs. A, welcome to the program again. To everyone listening, the number to call up is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. Go ahead. Hello? Yes. Hi, I have two general questions. Go ahead. Um, Question number one: At which age would you start being would actually at which age would uh, fears start being called anxiety? Well, stop. First of all, let's stop there. Forget about age. First of all, first, when do you call fears anxiety? Let's take uh, it in general before we get to age. Um, it's normal to have fears, but uh, when it's a child that. Scared to go uh, let's take a second. When do we call say on an adult? I, I, it's just the awareness. When it hinders their life. Bingo. Excellent. Right. Okay, so how does that answer my question? Um, first of all, is, is this fear that your kid has, is it affecting their life? It's not only one fear. It's like every two days it's another fear, and it is affecting his life. He's a little child. He's not even three yet. Um, he wouldn't go to sleep. He wouldn't take the elevator. He wouldn't, uh, like... So I would share with you a concept that I have. I would not call it anxiety for a two-year-old kid and three-year-old kid. What I would say is that the parent, it's generally probably the parent's first kid. Is this their oldest child? Uh, No, it's my fourth. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Actually, it's my third. I have four. Okay, that's okay, Kanina Har. Baruch Hashem. So what I would recommend is as follows. We discuss this many times, but there are children that are... that there are children that have a very creative imagination, and some kids have less creative imagination. Is it possible for you to mute the phone? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. I'll mute I'll, I'll mute the phone here, okay? I'll mute the phone here, okay? Is it better? Yes. Yes, yes, thank you. Sorry. Okay, that's all right, yeah, we just... So, when kids have an imagination, an active imagination, the, whichever kid it should be, because we'll generally have a kid that will be like in the in the book of mastering relationships, the Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and Afa, how we get different relationships. So the Mayim and the Ruach energy 
can many times have very creative ideas, even the Aisha energy. And what happens is the Aisha element that they can have very creative ideas, which is a positive, but at the same time they can also have creative ideas for the negative and then really feel it and get stuck in that. So therefore, the concept that we want to share, that we want to get, is that we want to learn the skills, how you help the kid to have an imagination and to feel the security of the parent. So this kid might need some more hugs from you. This kid might be a kid that would like you more to, let's see, just explain to them, it's okay. This kid might be a kid that sometimes might need to cry a little bit more. So it's more learning the language of that kid that might be having that issue. So I don't know if I would call a two-year-old kid anxiety. I would call it... Um, learning for the parents to get the special skills how to help a kid that has that and generally it's dealing with a parent what are some of your concerns that you have about it what's holding you back like what do you think this kid might need and we'll discuss more about the touching the hugging and just being reassuring taking them in the elevator with you and things like that Mm-hmm. The child, ever since I can remember, was a child that was hard to send away, like for Shabbos. He, he always needed that that extra security. But uh, yeah, and that he's two, three years old, and maybe we give it to him. Uh-huh. Yeah, what happens if you give it to him? I'll take you know, it for both hands. With you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, you stay with him more, you hug him more, he needs a lot more physical touch. You might have had a child right after him very close. You might have been a time... There's a whole concept that we discussed in the parenting workshop called attachment theory. You might have had more patience for the older two kids, and he might be the third kid, or he might be the fourth kid, and now he's an emotional kid that needs his mommy, needs the emotional safety, and mommy's busy now doing five things at once. I just attended a, a sort of, let's say, a lecture where there were a couple that were above him there, and I was so impressed. So they had Rabbi Yaman Eisenberger speaking, and I was so impressed with the way he spoke. He says, can we realize, he was talking to us therapists, and he was just saying, can we realize, therapists, what parents go through today? You've got parents at Baruch Hashem getting married at 18, 19 years old. They're right away having a, a, a child. Right away they might have to start bringing in Parnassa. The wife might be working, raising a kid. Her husband is going to Kailo, trying to tutor or make a little bit of money. Before you know Baruch Hashem, Hashem sends them within five or six years. Hashem sends them three kids, four kids. There's so much going on. Here you got to take them to the doctor. Here you got to buy clothing. Here there are simchas at night. And then all of a sudden, one kid has a problem. And now many times, us the therapists like, are like, why don't you know how to deal with this kid? Like, and he was just telling us, slow down. Give the parents a little bit of understanding. Give them just a little bit of patience. Like, they, they, you know, they didn't get the skills that we have. They didn't read all the books that we have in parenting or how to deal with anxiety or how to reassure a kid. And it made a great impact on me because I do this so many, so long that I always need that reminder. Like, let's remember, like sometimes the olive base, the little simple skills that parents just need, or a little advice or reminders. And that's the whole point of this program that there's that there's room we can change. So what I would tell you is think about this kid when he was getting older. Were you busy with other two children? Was there a lot going on in your life? Did this kid get less touch from you, less hugging? Did this kid, were you, were you having other kids hold him or more babysitters at that time versus the other kids? Um, what would you I'm say re- to that? You could say yes or no. He's not the first, he's the third. And, um, you know, there was a, another sibling came after him. I think it's more because he's ultra creative and he has to know exactly, like, uh, he, he asks a million questions and, I think his brain is like asking him questions. He, he has to get to the end of everything. 
All right. So again, remember, he's a two or three year old kid. So you just he needs the reassurance. He, you sit him on your lap. You give him the time if you can. Right. But you wouldn't. It it doesn't have to be that this is going to be an anxious child. It's not a point. To, if you uh, don't learn how to use, yes. If you don't get the skills how to deal with him, yes, that very well can happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kids with a creative mind that is not given the security from the parent, that can happen. Yes, that's called attachment theory. Right. Yes. Not that Hashem, it will happen to him. The point is that it could happen, and you might need the guidance. I heard a great muscle from one of the staff members in relief, Mrs. Ricky Schwartz, and she was just explaining to me, because she deals with sending um, parents to guidance, let's say, for how to deal with children. Many times she hears situations where she feels the parents need a little guidance, and sometimes the parents get offensive, and she explained it to me so well, and, and it's a beautiful concept that she explains to the parents, like, let's say you cook very well, and you know how to cook fantastic, but all of a sudden one kid's got allergies. Now you've got to learn which foods you could make, what recipes you can do, and you might need someone that, is it, that, that just, you know, you might need to take now a new cookbook and just learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Speak to a parent that tells you some of the secrets of the trade, how to do that. Speak to a doctor and just get the whole list of what you could cook, what you can't cook. How do you cook half this food if you can't use half the ingredients? How do you bring in the flavor? Mm-hmm. And what I would tell you is that's bas- basically what you need. Like, just yeah. getting an understanding. This kid's an emotional child. Like, I would recommend that you read my book, let's say, on uh, Mastering Relationships, understanding the nature of this kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And just learning to give him that touch, learning to give him the, the reassurance that he needs. And then, he should not have any anxiety. And he can mm-hmm. use his creativity for opening up companies, coming up with inventions, being mechadish, gemaris, uh, unbelievable creativity that comes from kids that are creative. The negative side of creativity is they could be anxious. But, the, but if the parent is aware of that and the parent can give the kid the security and the safety, then this kid will be very successful, mm-hmm. or and beyond. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, I have another question. Just, uh, Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, with nothing specific in mind. I was wondering, what would you consider, how would you describe a healthy person? Like, wh- what ingredient is the main ingredient in a healthy person? I'll ask you the same question. What's the main ingredient of being a Yid? Would you say it's just a moon and betachem, but what happens if you don't do any, any mitzvahs and averis? Which mitzvah would you pick? So when people ask, give me the main ingredient, I can't do that. I believe it's a combination. And unfortunately, when parents try to focus on one thing and not do the general, means not give a solid foundation, the building will fall. So well, let's unfortunately, say I'm, giving, I'm making it much harder for you. What I'm telling no, you I get, parent, I get what you're saying. But yeah. let's say if someone wants to get into a relationship with someone and they want, they want, to, they want to know, it's very hard to know with, with, with people what they really are. What would you say is one of the most important things to look out for? I really want you to know that you're asking such a general question that I would give you a general answer again. Read my book, Mastering Relationships. Mm-hmm. And there I just explained four natures. Right. Each nature will look for something completely different. And once you can identify the person's nature, which one they are, which element they are, then you can speak to them that nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, that's the general okay. answer. That's the best that I can do for such a general okay. question. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Great. 
and how social with your kid that's creative. No, this kid is brilliant. This kid will see things that aren't there. Listen to him when he's got a device and suggestion. Very, very powerful. Yep. Yeah, yep. I'd like to share with everyone listening there's a number to call up and ask your question. It's uh-huh. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Well, um, Mordechai, okay. Yeah, Mordechai. please. Okay, so the, uh, it's a, I, I would say that um, this kid is a very, you know, creative person. I know that. And as as the lady said, is is in between, is a sandwich boy, you know. Mm-hmm. And a little bit, a little bit more hugging. Uh, we have, you know, we have a few texts, you know, that lets you want to take this, uh, I'm singing girl in my 20s and I left to save. Oh, let me see. I didn't see that. Um, I saw the latest one with three and a half years of therapy. I must have missed that one. Here we go. Okay. I'm a single girl in my 20s. I love to save. I want to save for my future. A lot of my other single friends nudge me saying it's not normal for a single girl not to spend and just enjoy a single life. I, however, feel different. Is there something wrong with me? Thanks in advance. Wow. Interesting question. From this, I let you start with it. Okay. What would you say? I would say, first of all, it's it shows so many so many, so many things uh, about the, 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 the writer, the texter, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, starting from the from the house, and second to to the what what is the you know she's. It's very nice that to save. It's very nice, you know. But also you have the balance between just uh, being uh, loose a little bit. And this is a, I don't know. I know that maybe she's loose, maybe. But uh, this is a general. That's awareness about it. And when we're talking about, I think Mesilati Shalim said that uh, a, a person that basically love money. Uh, this is the worst jail in the life. That was said. This this is. It's, it cannot get a worse jail than and, and a person that love money and be stingy, I would say. Cannot serve it. Mm-hmm. This is something that you have to balance yourself. And then they're talking about this. I, I'm, I'm not saying that you or something. That, but this is, has to be fine. That they, I thought that the golden balance about it. And save, it's very good. It's very good, especially, you know, if you come from a poor family, for poor family a family that doesn't, don't have any... You know, uh, uh, you know, essence to to work, but but at the other end, you know, just take yourself a little bit easy. It's very important that you, as as a, a, a late teenagers, you know, going outside, take a little, take a, you know, take do the ice the ice cream, uh, go to some with friend to a restaurant. Don't don't go crazy. Don't go banana. I you know about spending money. Put yourself. I, I, you know, put yourself allowance every week that you can spend it and you know, be with your friend. It's very, it's very nice to save, but don't come to the, the level that you become. The saving is this is the the only thing that you life, and this after it's it's become very bad habit, and unfortunately you can see you can see as as, as a partner in life and. You you're starting you know be stingy or stuff like this it can create create a lot of problem. Uh, that's my point point of view. I think that it's also something that you carry from the from the house. Maybe 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 I'm wrong, but the, hopefully that you can can text us and give us more information. 
Mordechai, what do you Excellent. say? Excellent. Beautiful. So first let me repeat what you're saying, because I love it that much. And then, since we don't know who the person is, let's also discuss the other way. So first let's repeat what Rav Nissen said. What Rav Nissen has said is that spending money, the ability to spend money, is a concept of self-worth. It means I deserve to have something. I have Now, at the same time, people that feel worth less spend too much money. So what Nissen was saying is have a balance. Spend money at a normal level, but at the same time, but at, oh, sorry, but at the same time, I was looking at the message he said, so spend some money and have some money, but at the same time, it's important to save. So what Nissen was saying was balance. Very important to, to understand this concept. And I agree with him 100%. means I know of a couple which is a pretty good friends of the family, I should say. And what has happened is the wife always saved, and she's a fantastic saver, but guess who she got married to? She got married to a person that actually spends. And she can't handle it. goes, I understand spending money, but you're spending on this? This isn't worth it. You shouldn't be spending on this. <laughs> and what happens is, they had many fights until she had to learn to let go. He, at the same time, had to learn the other way, how to let go of, how to let go of his spending and realize he's married to someone that we need to have the balance side. And yes, I'm married to someone that will keep me more grounded and I'm not going to spend on so much. And their balance, their marriage is fantastic and balanced. But it took an adjustment side. So therefore, when you can spend on yourself and take care of yourself, that's great. However, we need the balance. Now let's go to the other, to a completely different concept that I want to do. Reb Nissen, this generation, and I'm going to talk about the Goyish world, I don't want to talk about the Yiddish world, they're, the studies that are coming out, that what they're calling the millennials, the people in their late 20s, are moving back to their parents' house, Meaning, it used to be a kid would go to college, a kid would get a job, and at a certain age move out with friends and just move out. What's happening now is people in their late 20s are just moving into their parents. They're getting a job, they're spending all the money on whatever they want, they are not saving. And then what is happening, what is, then what is happening is they're telling the parents, I don't need much, I'm living by you, you're supporting, you're giving me all the food, so we're done. And this is also very dangerous, which is it possible the friends are telling the person, why are you saving? Just spend. Don't worry. And that's part of what's happening in this generation. We're spending. We're buying today. People are buying designer clothing at young ages that doesn't exist. Used to be only very few multimillionaires or the billionaires would even buy them. And even that was unheard of. And today everyone's got it. And today some have got fake ones, some have got real ones. But everyone is, it's almost like we all need everything. But we're not making the money that we're having and all that stuff. And in that opinion, I think saving is important. So again, I think the balance is necessary for both. So what do you say to that about this generation where people are wanting instant gratification? Okay, this is, this is the, the, I would say, the thickness. Of, everything is like just, first of all, you know, buy, buy, buy. You know, this is every time. Just you go in the street, you see this the the billboard. You go in the, and and the, you see the, the the buses. Everything you know. And this is sell today. Sell for Black Friday, Black uh, uh, Sunday. You know, 
Cyber yeah. Monday, all this kind of, you know, craziness that people basically just pulling, I would say they, they, they're a champion on this. The PR people, they, they know how to put, the sales people know how to put the end in your pocket and take out. This is beside the point that, that we have to know how to control, to see what we need really and what is. I, I'm telling you, I, I was sitting yesterday, yesterday I was sitting with a husband and he told me, Nisim, I cannot, you know, every, every, every time that uh, my wife getting Instagram and this is in sale and this is in sale and this, I, I cannot afford it anymore, you know, it's, it's crazy. But this, this is the point that it's... <laughs> We have to be dealing with different awareness. What are you talking about? The different awareness, saving this is excellent to say, you know. But awareness... That's right. Out- now you need the balance. That's right. As yes. I said, let's discuss the two opposite examples uh, of what can be. So number one is what you're saying, where we've got to find balance and we've got to find at ease and at peace within ourselves with spending money because a large part of self-esteem is about spending money. And at the same time, about spending on yourself, spending on something that you like, rewarding yourself. And at the same time, it's the other way. Yeah. That it does generate, today, no one's saving, we're spending. Because, you know, the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the uh, pressure, my peer pressure here is so strong that if you don't have it, it's not belong. And you see, God, you know, you're going here, my friend has it, I must have it. This kind of phone, this kind of TV, this is kind of, you know, it's studying all the, with everything. So this is the awareness about different issue that we have to know how to stand up and basically, basically, basically being a wall against this attacking of buy, buy, sell, sell, you know, all this stuff. This You go to the mall, you must buy something. You go to the, this, you must buy anything. It's not, it's not this. You have to know what you need and you have to see uh, you know, balance your budget. See what you can put. Put yourself allowances. You know, see what you can spend. What you can do, and and this is the way. Uh, again, this is. I think it's it's a two awareness in one shot right now. Yes, very, 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 very powerful. Uh, shall we take uh, uh, Mrs. A, uh, Mrs. B? Sorry. Go ahead. Let's try it. Okay. Mrs. B. Hello. B, you're on with her. Oh, yes, hi, I hear you now. Yes. Excellent. Hi, hello. Um, first, thank you for your line and um, your parenting workshop. I took it actually last year, but it was amazing. Um, uh-huh. It really is a great help still till today. Um, really using lots of skills. I'm not sure there was a lady right before me that asked about something. I came up late. I'm not sure she asked about this, but I want to know if there's some awareness you can give specifically on a child with anxiety. Is that what she asked or... Yeah, thanks. She has a two-year-old that's afraid of a lot of things. A two-year-old. Okay, so my question is older one, still not eight, but a six-year-old, but it's affecting his behavior in um, at home and everywhere. Of course, I did go for professional I, uh, help, um, like um, opinions and things. Um, as of now, there's nothing really you can do about such a thing. He's not, like, his anxiety is not terrible. It's more his behavior that is... Um, being affected again at home, I'm fine with him because I took your course and I took many, you know, I dealt with children a lot. Can you just give me some examples, like what does it mean to his anxiety? Okay, so his behavior is um, just misbehaving very badly, like if his um, dad is going to come in and has a rule the kids have to sit. When he comes in, he doesn't sit. If they learn, 
he makes noise. It's like very typical. The reason why I call it anxiety, like I, I know it's being by his anxiety because let's say the bus he had missed once, like three times he missed the stop because he's like, you know, a happy, easy child and the bus driver um, almost wanted to punish him for that. Since then he started misbehaving on the bus. So I figure that he probably has such a tension every time he's, he goes on the bus and therefore he uh, misbehaves like very badly on the bus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like whenever there is something like learning, he knows, like I just remember myself as a child, that's the truth, and I basically had similar issues and similar, of course I wasn't as difficult as him, but um, I could see it's coming from his anxiety, like from his tenseness and everything. Like the more his teacher tries to control him, the more his Rebbe's try to be strict with him, the more he's going to... And again, I'm fine with him. The problem is, you know, I can't control him all over. I can't control him in Chaydin and, and uh, in places other than home. Yeah. So I want, yeah. So I want to know if there's some like, so I, of course, you know, six-year-old is not something you can answer me, but maybe just some ideas, some like things I can speak to his Rebbe's about. Um, I would be speaking more to him. I do that a lot. I do that a lot. I do that a lot. And I actually spoke to him today, and he told me then he was thinking on the bus that today he's going to tell me okay for everything. He's going to tell me okay for when I send him to bed. He's going to tell me okay when I tell him there's only supper that he doesn't like. He's going to, like he thinks a lot. He's very sensitive. He really no, wants to be issues, good. He really worst, tries. Give me a problem. Give me a problem and tell me how you guided him through it. How I guided him. So let's say the sitting in class. When the teacher, when the Rebbe comes in, mm-hmm. um, so I spoke to him a lot about it. His Rebbe told me this is a very big issue. He was punished a lot for it. So I told him we're going to make a system. At first, I told him that it really his teacher, his Rebbe really loves him and he really wants, you know, it disturbs the class and he can't teach this way. And um, I tried to explain the whole issue about it. And then I made up a system with him. You know, every day he comes home, he has a copy as like popcorn seats, whatever. It was very exciting. It really worked. We did it a few times, but he still has this tenseness that just makes him forget everything at a certain point. What? So now, like, did two it out work of three with times class? Did he sit when the Rebbe comes? He sat for a while. He sits two out of three times when the Rebbe comes in. Like, every day, two out of three times he sits. The third time, he just can't. Um... I, I speak to him a lot. His emotions. He's very sensitive. Very sensitive child. More than you know. More than a girl would would have been. And that is very hard because by boys, you know, that I just don't really pay attention to that. Right. Um, but he speaks to me a lot about his emotions. He tells me at night, I want to speak more, ask me questions, and such now, things. Can I ask a question? And don't Hashem take this in the wrong way, because this is sometimes a balance. Like when we guide the parents how to deal with the children. Are you talking sometimes too much emotions with him? Meaning if I okay, ask you to I think th- about the example that I discussed, is if you think about right now the right pinky in your, on your hand, just the right pinky, not the left one, the right one, and notice if it's tingling a little, if you're finding a little bit more awareness there, maybe some blood flowing there. Are you noticing now the pinky? Okay. Is that a yes? Are you noticing more the pinky? Um, I don't understand what you mean, but I, I look at it. Are you I'm noticing looking at it right. like more tingling or something at your right pinky? No. Um, no? I'm bending it, so I'm feeling something more. 
Okay, but so just for a moment, just notice that you're bending that pinky. Don't make it tight. Just let it loose. And just notice, like, do you feel something? Do you feel, let's see, it's more tingling, or are you noticing it's a little warm? Yes, are you right now, yes, now thing? I am feeling, yes. Exactly. So what I've just done is just given you a demonstration how when we talk about something, we create that more and more. So if we talk about feelings, what you did like, what you didn't like, or problems, then sometimes we can create it more. So the more you think about the pinky and the more times I'd ask you about the pinky, mm-hmm. you're going to start noticing the pinky. And therefore, there's a balance once, let's say, when you speak like to someone, you just get the guidance how much to speak or when to speak or how not to discuss that or, or like, say, have the Rebbe rather do the chart rather than you. Maybe he enjoys getting the emotional attention from you. I, I, I figured I'm, I'm just, I find myself being too controlling, like controlling him even in Haida is like too much. It's, there's, you know, I, it's enough being at home, his mother, and trying to keep him behave. And then I also have to, uh, keep him behaving in, in Haida, that's just, you know, I, I, I didn't think it was the right thing to do. But the end was that in Haida they just punished and punished and, you know, there was no end. He was getting all kinds of punishments every day coming home. He was, like, almost depressed in the summer from it until they had their new teacher. And I, until I started mixing in a little and I tried to, uh, you know, do what I could from home. Yeah, so but I did go to a, a parenting a specialist. Yeah, good. And what did they suggest? Tell, tell me, share with me. What um, so she she right away asked me about, like, if there's, you know, anxiety in the family. That's what, That was, she was the one to complain. I, th- I was going in the direction of ADHD or such a kind of a thing. She was saying it seems more like that. But she told me, you know, everything, you, you seem to be very aware, and I guess it's because of your line or whatever, but... She said Thank you seem you. to be very, you know, aware to, to, to the emotions and everything. You seem to be doing right. She was telling me to tell everyone to be as strict and as consistent as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, on the other hand, I find just picking up a fight for every little thing, these kids are the, the they become worse. Like, if a teacher's going to pick up a fight because he asked for a cup of water and he's, you know, tantruming that he wants it, um, maybe it's even How's worse. he at home? I, I, Let's I didn't talk about school right now. How's he at home? So that's the thing. I'm very, I'm very strict with him. Very, very strict with him, and that's why um, I was okay. It's just that in school, I don't know. He can't take the. At home, I'm very tough with him. Very, very tough. I again, you I give tell him me a what lot very of tough time. Give me an example. What does that mean? Um, everything like um, I'll, I'll punish him right instantly. Like I won't even. Um, I'll write him to like count, I'm counting to three. Right let's say he, when he was younger, he didn't even want, like he was tantruming for everything. So let's say the bath is a major tantrum. So I tell him I'm counting to three very quickly. I don't like people go one, two and a half, two and a half. Okay, it's one, two and three. If by three you're not in the bathtub, then, you know, you just get punished for that. It's And he What kind of punishment? What kind of punishment? What kind of punishment? Um, uh, various. Um, like sometimes, okay, maybe taking away like uh, goodies is not not the best idea. That I already stopped. But um, putting him in his room sometimes, um, taking away things that he likes, basically. Now let me ask you: Is this like many times? Like if you want him to take a bath and anything you need him to do, if he doesn't do it right away, like you would go straight to a punishment? Straight, yeah, because he used to do it, like, everything. It was just impossible. He used to do it with basics. You know, I, I didn't do brichus on these things. I said, you know, I'll let go. But things that are 
getting dressed, getting to the bus, getting to the breakfast, getting to, like, basics that had to be done. There was no way. It shouldn't be done. I just had no choice. I had to tell him everything is, like, very, I had to be very tough. And she was telling me that's the way to do it, to deal with this child. Uh, Let me ask you, the difficulty that happens is that a school cannot treat him that way, can't raise him that way. Means if a Rebbe's got fifteen other kids, they can't be on top of him on such a strict level. Right, that's a pro- exactly sure. Yeah. Uh, so they just hit. They just um, yeah. They right, that's another way. That's this right. Sort of like you're punishing, so they just punish with hitting. Now, what would happen if you would have another way of getting through to your kid? Um, I tried. You know, everything that your workshop was excellent for all other areas. Just with these things that have to be done now, instantly, just. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't um, handle it. I just had to do it I the don't, tough way. Why just, does it have to be instant? We're, we're, in my workshop, we talk about training the kid, how you say something and how to So let's deliver. say there's an hour to get to the bus, right? There's an hour. In one hour, he has to get dressed, he has to eat, he has to wash his hands, he has to do several things. Yeah. I can't spend 50 minutes speaking to him and explaining to him and, and waiting till he's, you know, you just got to go, get moving. And it's every single morning. It used to be every single morning. So what happened if Bruce is the Wait, cut? I, first of all, I wonder, like, yes. I wonder, did you really take my workshop? I'm not questioning. It doesn't sound like my workshop. <laughs> I, I talk about training, how kids that are was, We've got messages. I did, that, I did that before. I did that before the workshop, actually. This, this part I did when he was really young. I started, like, when he was a two-year-old, really young. I think that I you belong to the military. Right, right. I don't do it with my other kids. Right. But with him, I felt that he, he needed like a military. Exactly. I think it's that's, not that's fair. That's what I felt. Not right. fair? Okay, let's say he needs mm-hmm. that. Where's the balance? What Rabnissa is asking, where's the balance? Where's the, now the emotional softness? That okay, so when I heard your workshop, I did hear that sometimes kids are just tired and kids are hungry. I love that. So after Haida, when he comes home, he's totally free, totally. Like if he doesn't want to do this, he doesn't want to do that, okay, it's okay, fine. You know, there is no, uh, he's he's very groggy, very cranky, he's tired, he doesn't sleep well, I'm taking care of that as well. But, you know, I just, I know that it's normal, it's okay, he's just tired, it's not his fault as much. But um, schedules that he has to meet, that he has to, like going to sleep, going to bed, taking a bath. These things have to be done. I just can't sit with him and speak to him for Now let me ask you, in my workshop, to... I haven't heard so far anything that was like of the skills of my workshop, like the BC, Triple B, Double R. That takes two weeks. <laughs> it was just too much for me. So uh, I, let me I ask you, how, how was your parents? How was parents were dealing with you? It was yeah, what? His, your your what father was a admiral. How was your pa- uh, so we're hearing you very low. My That's mother, my me. mother can't, my mother can't um, take him. Like when I had my baby and he was there, she called no, me. Not no, 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 no. What type of parenting skills does your mother use? How is she with her children? Um, it's different now than with with us. Like she's now with the younger kids. It's you're talking about when she, when I was a child. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When you were a child. Um, I think everything was very, I think she had very good, I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I didn't see another home and I didn't, I have no, but I think she was very good, she was very okay. The opposite, when I misbehaved in school, let's say, she wouldn't really pay attention to it. I mean, not pay attention, she would speak about it and, and you know, it would it would make her upset, but it's, di- again, it's different girls and boys, so she didn't really, you know, but um, I think I think her parenting skills were very good. 
I didn't ask about her parenting skills. Shalom, I wasn't questioning her skills. I was okay, wondering, was she so someone was that was question? very strict? Was she someone that was, yeah, I wasn't no, clear. Was she no, someone she that was loose? She wasn't, no, she wasn't very strict, very, very balanced. No, not as strict as me, for sure not. For sure not. She can, she can be as strict as I am, no. I, I taught her to be very strict with my son, but she doesn't want to do it. She can't. Right. Yep. I, I, I'll tell you, if you would be coming, let's say, to our center, if we would be helping you out, it would be teaching you a bit more of a balanced way not to be so strict because kids like that, the minute so again, they get Again, the strict free, is only when it's necessary. I, I do balance I, it out when it's not necessary. Like I know, but you still expect... You still are. There's still an expectation that. How would you like it? For an example, that's why I share with parents of the parenting workshop. If you were your parent and you decided when you need to do things right away, now you're showering. Like kids will at times. Kids need to like. We've just done the fourth workshop, and we discuss how you have the code words that kids are still kids. But the code words is when she when you need to do things when it's an now. Emergency. That's right. right, or write the code word, and, and when not. Like, sometimes mornings it's normal for the kids to want to get up a little later or to get there and say, okay, at this time, as we structure the time, where they wake up earlier. It was extreme. They, it was extreme. It was extreme. It was really, I, I, at first I allowed him, I, I tried. I, it was really extreme. He was tantruming for every single thing, everything, like from every step of the way. So at a certain point I said, that's it. Like, you, if if... If I won't make these trick with everything, then like it's either uh, everything or nothing. You know, there was no yeah. no balance in between. Yeah. If I would let go of one thing, then the whole thing would would. Um, but again, now he's he's different. He doesn't need that anymore now, for sure. Now he's much more different now. He's much easier. Much. Um, he knows routine is routine. He's just trained in it. Um, it's just you know outside of the house. Yeah. Like I tried well, to send him not to it. Well, can you realize that you're training him to follow very, very strict orders? That's how his brain is used to, but no one can treat him that way. That might be the concern of when you're expecting those quick and when you're doing that much, you're training the mind to respond that way. Like in the first workshop where we discuss about the parenting, we discuss that if you're yelling, screaming, or hitting your kid, then I recommend, not that I recommend you do it, but as a joke, so a sort of, do it right away at 8 o'clock. Don't wait till 10 o'clock when you're frustrated and you tortured you and the kids for two hours. So it seems like your kid is being taught to But even if let's say now he almost doesn't get punished, like he rarely gets punished now because he's like, he just it finds seems like it he's routine. petrified of you, but, but he's going to do that in school where the rebellion teachers are not that strict. Mm-hmm. So you trained him. The level of listening is to that intensity mm-hmm. of you, what you're doing, but others can't do So it doesn't do that, have to I? do with anxiety because my other kids, I'm fine, like, are, are totally perfect and, and you know, and yeah, don't perfect. I, d- I don't see a kid perfect. Sorry to tell you. Right, but I, no, I don't see. Where's anxiety? Where's his What's, anxiety? What, anxiety, what, what I hear is? that when he's sitting in class, he doesn't want to sit when the Rebbe comes in. Anxiety is Right. Fear. So why, let's say, the bus issue, the bus story, let's say, yeah, the bus, he, he, always, he had no the, problem. The, no the guy yelled at him. The bus driver is a six-year-old boy. Right. So one day to the next, he starts misbehaving. What? One day to the next, Could he started you imagine, let's, let's make the assumption. Let's make the assumption that you're 30 years old. Let's just go that number. Imagine there are bus drivers 80 years old, and they yell at you where you're sitting, how you're sitting. How would you feel? But why now? Why now? Like, why now out of the blue? What do you mean now? He's six years old. 
to teach her. No, I'm saying that that yesterday nothing happened, and today suddenly something. I don't know. Happened. Nothing <laughs> happened. Maybe the maybe the maybe the bus driver yelled at other kids. When people say why now, is if you tell me why at 35 did it develop? If it happens at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it's not a why now. Now is when it develops. It's which year will it happen? I see many stories like this. yesterday something happened. You Today look he's going sorry. To I just I cannot you know just you look on a six year old like a 40 years admiral in the army that has to follow the order. I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. I'm sorry that I'm just... So his, bim- so his home is having an effect on his chayit? Like, that, is that what you're saying? No, we're his training behavior, his him, yes. Me I, being toxic to my home is having the way, an effect I'm on assuming. his behavior. I'm, right, I'm right, so I'm asking that is you. what you're trying to say. I don't know anything about your past, I don't anything about your character. No, I'm okay with stuff. it, because I don't find him so tough, but it's okay. I, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm just wondering if, if, if that's what you're saying. They're saying that if being too tough at home could have an effect on the behavior in the chayit. Is that... Yes, that what we train a kid a certain level of of what we expect. Now it could be because many times kids could know at home we're one way and in Saida we're another. But if we're very strict, and that's what this kid responds to, either we teach the Rebbeim to do that, or we what we need to do is the other way around. Um, or we need to teach you other skills that he will learn more uh, the listening skills instead of the soldier, like her business said, instead of being following orders. Even now, he's not doing the soldier anymore. It's like more now, it's just routine. Now it's easy. It's, you know, he's not being pressured anymore. Like, but even he can if be it was petrified. Only I don't do this. You take everything away. How no, now he doesn't anything? seem petrified How would you now? feel if you walk home and the husband says, oh, your house, the house isn't neat? That's it. I'm taking your pocketbook now. Mm-hmm. You know those pair of shoes that so, we did? I'm coming home. Supper is not ready for me. That pair of shoes I bought you six months ago that you got, no pair of shoes. What about a child that just needs, like, easy time? Like, I, I, you once said about cookie cutter, right? I was wondering if in, I did the, you know, at home I'm trying not to put it in a cookie cutter, like, you have to do what reach goals, like what all six-year-olds do. But what about in Haida where the Rebbe's do expect them to reach the certain, um, you know, everyone has to learn the same, everyone has to follow along the same. They do expect kids to be a cookie cutter very much. Um, can this also have an effect? Or, like, him being a little, he's smart, he's he's going, he's, you know, reaching the, the he reached the uh, everything where they're up to. It's just that he's a little... He needs more his time. He, at home, he knows the material much better than at, in Chayde. Like, he's a little more um, perfectionist, I would call it, or whatever. Could that also have an effect? Everything could, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we don't make assumptions until mm-hmm. I hear everything. And, like, I would even speak to the Rebbe, like, if he would be, like, someone that, let's say, let's say if you would be coming to our center, for example, just to understand how to deal with him, we would also be having a couple of minutes conversation with the Rebbe and hear what's the Rebbe's opinion about it. I spoke to him a lot. I, spoke, I speak to him a lot, actually. Yeah. I, I see my son. He's a leader. He, he leads the games. I mean, I, I see him. I go off and, to, you know, to see how he's doing. He's really having a good time with the kids and everything, but... It's just he can't sit. And I remember myself. That's why I would say the same thing. I just remember myself not being able to sit and, like, misbehaving in school. And I always wanted to behave. Like, that was also an awareness. You know, when people say students are misbehaving, it's not always they want to misbehave. You know, it's wanting to misbehave, just not being able to, although it's not ADHD, cannot be given medication for. Um, 
I don't know why we're running to ADHD. I don't hear anything. No, I'm ADHD. saying people usually blame everything well. on okay. ADHD. Uh, I don't hear any people ADHD. blame everything. You on tell ADHD. me this kid is smart. You tell me this kid is doing well. This kid is concentrating. Not be able, being want... able to sit. Not being so able to sit. So that's one point. So what? That's cool. It's a six-year-old. That's energized. Right. So I thought it was a six-year-old to ask to sit but he says he's the lowest. Like his behavior is, you know, he he doesn't remember having such a kid. Okay, like okay. I don't know. Again, you're out of the scope of a, we we just created mm-hmm. an awareness. Right. Okay. That's good. Thank you. So let me share with you the amount of questions that we've gotten over here, all about these questions and like all about these kids. So I'm just going to read one someone sent me personally. I finally caught myself on time while you're doing your show. Um, I used to come to you as a client. I graduated. You always mention children pick up their parents' anxiety. My eight-year-old daughter can follow me to the bathroom if no one is home, afraid of her own shadow. Does that mean that I am not completely done or she needs to outgrow it? I'm listening in. Hopefully you'll answer it. And I would say is I don't know if you're done with yours or if you're not done with it. I'm saying I happen to have looked up your chart, and I know how much amazing work you've done, which is great. Um... At the same time, let's say you are okay, but maybe there is a genetic factor. Maybe you need some more skills how to deal with your eight-year-old kid, and maybe just a couple of sessions of guidance will just guide you how to guide it. So I know you, uh, let's say I know who's sending the message. I know you know the skills. I know you have the information. Maybe you just need someone how to guide you how to use the skills that you know and do it for your eight-year-old kids. I don't even know if I want to call that your eight-year-old kid has anxiety. There are times that kids going, I don't want to leave, or where is mommy, or this and that. Eight-year-old kids generally don't have it. It might be a bit of a fear, but I don't like calling fears anxiety. Like, if you use the skills and you teach them and they get over it, great. I, don't, I wouldn't even suggest that your daughter come to therapy yet. First, you come and get the skills. It's, you know, yeah, I, let's I, go take the one that you just sent me. I, and that is at, um, let's go ahead and take this one. Uh, let's so go. Oh, you, you want to I co- have a four-and-a-half-year-old son who tantrums constantly. Seems similar to that child. When he's tantruming, of course, saying, Daddy, Dada, Mommy, I right away start telling him, Oh, my, you have a Dada, Mommy. Neboch to you, Neboch. I say it a few times, and instantly he stands up and starts patting me, saying, Sorry, Mommy, I love you, I love you. I pick him up and say, Mommy, and plant a mommy kiss, love you, cheeks, I love him, he's so sensitive, so tantrums come easy to him, but forgiveness too, it works with me, but don't you think, do you think it's the right way? I sometimes wonder. Um, I'll tell you, a large part of what we teach in my parenting workshop, and that's for parents, is allow kids to please be kids. <laughs> so the kid says, da, 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 mommy, da, da, tati. Right, I'm just saying four-and-a-half-year-old, don't respond to every time they do it. It's like imagine a soldier, every time someone tells an American soldier, I hate you, or, they, or they'll tell a police officer, I don't like you. Does the police officer pull out a gun and say, say you're sorry or I shoot? That's not the concept. We need to be stronger. We need to be able to handle that. I had a cute story recently, Irvness, and you would appreciate this, where one of my good friends tells me, you know, I had a relative that met you somewhere. I was speaking somewhere, and after that, he came over to me and tells me, you know, Mordechai, I think therapy is shtusim. I think therapy is a waste of time, and therapists made it up. And I asked him, are you very confident about your opinion? And he said, yeah. And I, I responded to him, and I told him, you know, many people agree with you, and may you be zeicha to never have to change your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy says, yeah, like... 
big deal. So people make comments. Part of our job as kids will say that kids are tired, kids are hungry, and they are that age. They're at the age where they have a less impulse control. Now, if your Rebbe is saying that it has to do this kid's different than all the other kids, then you get more advice. Uh, it all just seems that, you know, sometimes... Uh, as a parent, you know, yes, we lose, especially when we have a lot of kids and stuff, we're losing some patience, you know, losing that. And we all wanted our kids to be so military, so that punctual, you know, that each kid has a different personality. Each kid, you know, and this is something that the order awareness to all the parents, do yourself a favor, give a hug to the kids, give them a kiss, give them something, you know, just... Show that you care. It's not a military, you know. There's something that you know. I don't. I don't understand this. You know, kids coming six years oh, old. Oh, I did not realize how many messages are coming off over here. Let's go ahead and read just some of the messages. I know. I got and a phone calls all this. You know. Just <laughs> yeah. Look at all. So one person said as follows over here. Please, parents should seek help. When the fundamental is strong, you can build you build huge, tall buildings with many different shapes. And sizes. That's one message that has come. Here is another one. Um, so, okay. Um, okay. So someone uh, said maybe go to 101. Skip yes. the parenting workshop and get 101. They just use a little bit stronger yes. um, words. Another one said, oh, um, we never control our children. We can guide them and teach them. Let them skip the bath once in a while. Um, another message has come as follows. She is expecting perfection, in my opinion. And if she would believe that she is the parent, right, which is the BC Triple B, when you believe that you're the leader, you can be so much easier on your kids. Here's another message. I used to rock my child now married with two kids when he was three. I had two under him, and he needed attention. I used to rock and sing Shemai Yisrael. He loved it. He knew it. Maybe you could buy toys in the bath, and kids love toys in the bath. Um, another message over here. Oh, my goodness. Three-year-olds and four-year-olds have temper tantrums. It's normal. If you need to be tough, let the kid know that you're ready to listen to them and that they're ready to talk and be ignored, but, but to punish. Um, yes. Some more messages over here. To see an ABA therapist in conjunction with building a soft relationship approach, it would be beneficial for her to see more who's eclectic, behavior and emotion. Exactly. In our, for example, in our center, we're very knocked on that, both behavior and also giving the emotion balance. So true. From my experience, one-on-one guidance on a weekly basis would be very um, effective. Give the child room. Yes. So there seems to be a theme going on over here. Everyone's saying there's a balance. What about the nurtured heart approach, catching him doing things right? He'll rebel as a teenager or an adult. This is bad chinuch in someone's opinion. The child is difficult. Child who needs a different approach. Go reach, let's say, transforming a difficult child. There's there's no compassion in the chinuch in such an approach. Just different. So much going on. And he does talk about doing carryovers to school. Yeah. Yes, I think so, we, we, I, I think one, one, one point I said that's, Sometimes you, and uh, in, in animals, you train them. You train them, you know, you give them a, a, a you, you go to bear, you know, you put him on, on the fire and, you know, just do, and, and then you become like, like, a, like a pussycat, you know. But when yeah, you... Yeah, someone said as follows, had the same issue with my eight-year-old, not wanting to take baths. I discussed it with him. That will let him take two baths 
two times a week instead of three times, but with no tantrums. Meanwhile, it worked wonders. He feels understood, and he feels understood that it's hard for him to bathe. You know, whatever it should be. So, so many wonderful messages that people are sending out. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Mrs. H. She's patiently waiting. Mrs. Wait. H., thank you for waiting patiently. Hi. Thank you so much for hold, your line. Hold, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of the oldest single that had a question about the spending money. Uh-huh. Um, so... Let's say, I don't know what her situation is, but let's say there's a situation where the person has a hard time spending money. Yeah. Um, and it's coming from either the upbringing or, let's say it's from the upbringing, from the way she was taught money should be spent. Um, I hear that it's very nice to have a balance and to, you know, that not spending shouldn't become a bad habit. But how do you achieve that balance? Well, what do you think the answer is to that question? Because you're asking a how-to. Well, what do you think the answer is how people find balance? How do they learn that? I'm not sure, but maybe to you are taught. discover... Nothing is, nothing is learned in this world without being taught. Everything is being taught. So now, okay. what would be the next question? What would be your next question? So I guess you first have to discover why why there is that um Yes, what is the message about money? I've recently met a person that the message about money is that it's evil and money will take you to terrible places and money brings to Gaiva. And if you spend money on yourself, there are poor people out there. I just very recently helped someone with a with with this very strong messages that they have. We don't make assumptions on what's going on in the spending. That's where business is talking about the balance. But why someone can't, that we need a one-on-one, that we need a bit of a history. Maybe the mm-hmm. father lost money several times. I've worked on families where the fathers have lost money several times their trauma. They don't feel they have enough. Mm-hmm. I know, for an example, someone of, uh, that both are not alive now, but they are Holocaust survivors. Hashem has benched them with the ability to make millions of dollars. They still bought the two-day-old bed, bread that was cheaper. They would give their kid like a five or $10,000 check each child right before Pesach, before each yantiv, just take. But they still bought two or three-day-old breads. That's what they were surviving through the Holocaust before that, during and after. And them as a couple, on themselves, they couldn't spend anything. When someone can spend, instead of saying, how do you get it, we first need to know why. We need to get right. a, a concept, what's happening. So the first step is to discover why you got that unhealthy relationship with the money, I guess. Yeah, yes. And maybe it's the other way around. Maybe she has a healthy balance and her friends aren't saving. Yeah. I know someone who used to say, if I die with a penny in my bank account, it was a penny wasted. <laughs> but the other side, I know that person, and that person doesn't own a house when most people that age already owns a house. So there's okay. a concept of balance of saving. I think that uh, oh, I think that one of the you know things that's very important is to put like, make your allowance you know like let's say that you you make yourself allowance fifty bucks okay and these fifty bucks in the end of the week has to be spent that's right. you know so just important. put yourself a amount something like this you know this something good, that this is going into great tools yes that's a very good tool okay 
Yes. Another one is also to say, how can I reward myself? Or ask three, four friends, what are they doing? If they go out to a supper once a week, do that. If they go shopping and they're spending X amount on shoes or on clothing, find out if that's the normal amount. Again, you need to realize normal amount depends on society, depends on how much you're earning. Normal right. amount could also depend on which block you're living in. can <laughs> yes. depend mm-hmm. on what your family status is. The amount of yeah. times that I've heard the other way, Nebuch, where their family is very wealthy, but the parents did not give the teenage boys money, and the kids had to almost work, but no one's allowed to know to have the expensive shoes just to keep the image going. I told, like, it was amazing for us to work on why do you have to slave to keep your parents' image when they're not giving you the money? Get cheap shoes. Let your parents say, oh, it doesn't pass, then no problem, then give me the money. I've worked several times on 16, 17-year-old kids where they felt like they have to keep the family name intact, and they slaved, literally worked for $10 an hour. And I use the word slave because it's not a problem if a kid would work for $10 an hour. But if they would at least use it for what they want, there's one thing. They felt they had to do it for the family's name. So we need to know what's going on here. Right. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Excellent. We are basically wrapping up, right? Yeah, of so many uh, uh, questions, for <laughs> so many things to to ask, you know, talking about. But uh, next week, I'm Bezad Hashem. Yeah, Bezad Hashem, Okay, thank you. Thank you all and everyone for calling up. I appreciate it, and Rav thank you once again for hosting this program. It's always a schus and an honor. Thank you.